What is up, everybody? This is Hunter Williams. Today is episode 92 of the NeuroEdge podcast, and we are streaming live on everything, I believe, right now. The name of today's episode is Telepathy, Fast, fast Twitch, Yo-Yo Dieting, Telepathy, and Sleep Deprivation. So pretty cool set of topics we are going to go over today. And what I'm going to do, again, in the theme of the new podcast, just going to do some quick bullet points. Obviously, some of these are topics that I could probably talk about for hours on end, but I just want to give a brief overview of them and talk about how we can work them into our lives to live a happier, healthier, more fulfilled, more abundant, more vibrant life in general. There is a lot of negativity going on out there right now, and my job is to spread light, spread love, spread compassion, kindness, prosperity to everyone out there that is watching us. So if you are tuned in, thank you so much for watching today. Again, just want to send my sincerest gratitudes about to anyone out there who is watching, who is actively trying to improve their live, lives and make their lives better, especially in light of the chaos that seems to be going on outside in the world right now. So I think if we could all come together, take some time to breathe, take some time to relax, be thankful, for what we have and what we've been blessed with. It changes your perspective and your outlook on life. So I think that's very important. Before I get into everything, don't forget that I have a group of people that like to talk about the same things that I like to talk about. I think community is one of the biggest things, especially that is going to be on the forefront of the next couple of years of having micro communities online of people that are engaged and believe and like to talk about the same things. Not necessarily have the same belief systems on things because debate in diversity is good, but enjoy talking about the same topics. So again, the link for that group will be in the description box if you like some inside baseball on that stuff. So let's get into it. And what I'm gonna do now is share my screen. Hopefully you guys like the shared screen. It kind of feels like I'm doing a little bit more of a presentation, so to speak. All right, let's get into it. So empathy. This is something I have been thinking about a lot lately is empathy, especially given, let's just say, everything going on in the external environment in the United States right now. So I think empathy is really important. And I don't say this as a kumbaya thing to say that everyone's always going to agree and we need to have empathy for each other, man, because it's just love, man, right? No. Empathy is something that's very important in our skill set and evolution to the next level of consciousness to be able to actually remove ourselves from thinking of our own ego as the only self that exists and being able to actually place ourselves in other people's shoes and actually be able to try to have the thoughts they're having so that we see a little bit more of a perspective. Obviously, we, and this kind of gets into consciousness as a whole, but we only experience consciousness through ourselves. So through our own individual self, we experience the world. Everybody else to us, if you really think about it, is just going on in the game that we have happening, happening in front of us. We're the only one that can experience our pain, our pleasure, all of that. So a very rudimentary brain would not realize that and not realize that other people also have the same movie going on in their world and that there could be different interpretations of the events that we know as reality happening in their movie. So what is the ability to put ourselves in the shoes of other people? Well, that's empathy. 
Empathy is extremely important, and this is whether you want to be healthier so that you can understand how other people feel around you and understand that that's part of our emotional health. Particularly important if you want to be wealthier, because in order to create wealth, you create wealth by making others wealthy. And yes, is there a caveat to that? Maybe some people do it through predatory means, and that's definitely out there, and that should be eradicated. But if you want wealth in terms of being confident that you knew that you know you provided value to other people, make other people wealthy and make their lives better, and you will, by the nature of doing that, create wealth. Well, in order to do so, you actually have to be able to put yourself in those other people's shoes and understand their pains, problems, their frustrations, what's driving them, what's creating all the ideas that are going on in their head, what really moves them. So empathy is something, and again, this is one of those things I could talk about for hours, but I really wanted to hit on how important that is to every time that you feel your ego flare up. And I think it's really important that you take time away out of nature, meditating, whatever really helps you remove yourself from what's going on in the world and get in touch with your higher self. And in order to do that, you have to be removed. But when you do so, you really realize that there are other people experiencing things in the world. And if you can get better at putting yourself in those people's shoes, you're going to have a much more rounded worldview of how everything is going on in the world. And it's going to make your life better. So it's going to make you healthier because you're going to be more emotionally healthy about how you feel about yourself and your relationship to other people. You're going to be wealthier because you're going to understand whether you're a business owner or you work in an organization, you're going to understand how to place yourself in other people's shoes. But what I want to talk about empathy, so the definition of empathy, as you'll see here, is the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing from within their frame of reference. That is the capacity to place oneself in another's position. So definitions of empathy encompass a broad range of emotional states. So the different types include cognitive empathy, emotional empathy, and somatic empathy. And just for definition, somatic empathy is a physical reaction probably based on mirror neuron responses. So mirror neurons, if you've never heard of those, I actually just read a great book by Robert Greene called Mastery. It talks about mirror neurons. But basically, humans have this really cool thing, and maybe other animals have it too. I know it's been studied a lot in humans, is that when we see someone experience something, even if that's through a movie, or we just see someone, maybe you see someone out in the street helping a homeless lady across the street, and you feel good because of that. Well, your brain is shooting off mirror neurons that is experiencing whatever those people that you're seeing experience the same thing. Um, and I think it's been studied in primates and things like that. So what does that relate to empathy? Well, it's our body actually has a physical response to what we see other people go through. Now, the, the counterplay with this is that our ego tends to want to overtake everything that we do. And I'll probably talk about the ego in another episode. But our ego is basically the idea of ourself and how we see ourselves. And we tend to inflate our own ego. And that's partly a survival mechanism because we are doing that to survive. And we need to have an ego in order to feed ourselves, find clothing, find shelter, and all those things. So that being said, what does that mean for empathy? Well, if we can remove at least a little bit of that ego, we can tap into how other people are going to feel about things. And I think that's really critical right now in the age of social media, in the age of technology, in the age of all these things that enable narcissism to a certain extent. I think we are all a little bit narcissists. I wouldn't be a narcissist. I would have to be a narcissist to be able to get on here and do videos of myself talking, right? To think that someone else would want to hear that. 
However, hopefully someone else does hear that and I really get joy out of talking about things that help other people. So I had to have enough of an ego to do that, enough motivation to do that. Um, but there's kind of a borderline of being able to balance that versus empathy and understanding how people will feel. But I will close out empathy with this and you can get into some more research on it. But basically, it's I want to make sure that that's important because a lot of people just think empathy, oh, you understand what I'm going through. It's actually understanding what someone goes through through their frame of reference. But I'll say this, and I noticed this with people and maybe clients that I'm working with or anything like that. I have the best interactions with people when I play the story of whatever they're telling me going on in my head. So a lot of times our brain tends to go off and daydream and think about what we're going to have for lunch and all these different things while someone is talking with us. And to a certain extent, even though we may look like we're engaged with people, I think people on a subconscious level can feel that based on your energetic field that you're interacting with them with. We have electromagnetic fields that we emanate and interact with other people. So when you actually play the movie of what someone is telling you about their life, what happened to them, what's going on, what their pains, problems, frustrations, fears are, and you're playing that movie inside your head, do that with every single person that you come into contact with and really focus on that. Don't let anything else come into your brain, your selfish needs, how hungry you are, how sleepy you are, anything like that. And really focus on what that person is telling you and notice the quality of interaction that you have. And then compound that, do that over and over and over and over again and notice how much your life gets better because you're actually giving attention to the other person. And what you're doing by doing so is developing empathy. So I will leave it at that. Much more to be said around that, but just wanted to bring it up and kind of talk about it there. So let's get into fast twitch uh, to change gears completely. Fast twitch versus slow twitch muscle fiber types and training tips. So one thing I've always been fascinated with, and right now on, on the National Academy of Sports Medicine's website, they have an article about this. When I played football, I was always pretty naturally strong, but I was not that fast. And one thing that I was working on is how can I get my fast twitch muscle type fibers to fire faster? So if you are an athlete, if you are training, this may be of no interest whatsoever to you, but I thought it would be useful just because I know people that watch my show engage in some sort of athletic pursuits, whether it's just as a hobby or competitive. So I wanted to kind of talk about fast twitch versus slow twitch. So what are muscle fibers to begin with? So skeletal muscles are made up of individual muscle fibers. And like muscles themselves, not all muscle fibers are the same. So there are two types of skeletal muscle fibers. At least this is the theory that we have now. Maybe there's something different that comes out in the future. But uh, we have fast twitch and slow twitch, and they have different functions that are important to understand when it comes to movement and exercise program. So slow twitch muscle fibers are fatigue resistant and focused on sustained smaller movements and postural control. They contain more mitochondria and myoglobin and are aerobic in nature compared to fast twitch fibers. Slow twitch fibers are also sometimes called type one or red fibers because of their blood supply. Fast twitch muscle fibers, on the other hand, actually provide bigger and more powerful forces, but for shorter durations and, and they also fatigue quicker. They're more anaerobic with less blood supply, hence they're sometimes referred to as white fibers or type two muscle fibers. Skeletal muscles contain both types of fibers, but the ratios can differ, differ depending on a variety of factors, including muscle function, age, and training. So why does that matter? Well, it matters one, because depending on what you do, if you're a marathon runner, you probably don't need a lot of fast twitch muscle fiber and you need the slow twitch that's gonna supply oxygen and blood for longer periods of time. But 
In terms of just the contrast, remember slow twitch are gonna be small muscle fibers, low, slow force. They're gonna fatigue slower. They're gonna be longer term contractions and support aerobic activities. Um, whereas fast twitch are large, they're greater and have quicker force. They fatigue faster and they are focused around short-term contraction. So how do you determine what your muscle fiber type is? So you and your muscles are not comprised of one type of muscle fiber. Again, all of your muscles are a mix of these fast twitch and slow twitch fiber types. What can happen, so if your activity level, is, a lot of non-athletic individuals have close to a 50-50 balance of these muscle fibers. When you start looking at highly skilled elite athletes, some differences start to show up where power athletes will have a higher ratio of fast twitch Fibers, so that's going to be your sprinters, your powerlifters, where endurance athletes have a uh, higher proportion of slow twitch fibers. And for marathon distance runners, it's going to be around 70 to 80%. So it can also be affected by age. So aging causes a loss in lean muscle mass. That's why it's important to do strength training throughout your life because as you age, that's one thing that we naturally lose. Um, this is going to cause a decline in fast twitch fibers, especially type 2X, but there's also an increase in our slow twitch fibers. So that's why typically people get a little bit slower as they age. So what kind of training should you do? Well, type one is obviously going to be low resistance, high repetition, long duration, low intensity. And type two is going to increase the size of both type one and type two. And there's going to be greater growth, i.e. hypertrophy um, in type two fibers and increases in actin and myosin filaments. This results in an increased ability to generate force, hence why when you lift weights, you get stronger. So you can also taper during training programs by reducing volume and intensity and can also improve the strength and power types of type two fibers without decreasing type one performance. So again, you, I think the, the key takeaway here is that you don't necessarily have to sacrifice one for the other. Obviously, if you're competitive, you want to focus on what's going to give you better bang for your buck. But if you're just someone that is looking to optimize health, realize that you have these two different types of muscle fibers and engage in training them both. So if it's something where you're not doing, and I think more people would lean towards probably doing the endurance side because I think a lot of people don't get to the intensity that they need for their training. Um, so that being said, I think you should incorporate this fast twitch movement in with a lot of your training, even uh, if it's something that you're not used to doing, it can help prevent the loss of muscle mass over time. So again, pretty cool article to check out by the NASM. Now, moving along, keeping the same vein of health, let's talk about yo-yo dieting. So this is something that I see a lot with people and I think it's a huge travesty that this is something and it's just kind of the nature of having the types of foods we want around us all the time. And it's what a lot of people struggle with because I don't think people can get motivated and they'll lose weight but it's very hard to sustain given all the temptations that are constantly around our environment. That's why it's important to change your environment to help get the results you want and not necessarily increasing your willpower. Humans only have a certain amount of willpower. You have to change the environment to a certain extent. So what is yo-yo dieting? Uh, it's also known as weight cycling. There's a term coined by Kelly Brownell at Yale University in reference to the cyclical loss and gain of weight resembling the up-down motion of a yo-yo. In this process, the dieter is initially successful in the pursuit of weight loss, but is unsuccessful in maintaining the loss long-term and begins to gain the weight back. The dieter then seeks to lose the gain rate and the cycle begins again. And what I talk, want to talk about this particularly is the effects on your health. So what can yo-yo dieting cause? So if you have experienced this, this is what it's doing to your body. 
This kind of diet, diet is associated with extreme food deprivation as a substitute for a good diet and exercise technique. So as a result, the dieter may experience a loss of both muscle and body fat during the initial weight loss phase. So think about that. If you're doing this type of dieting, you're going to actually lose muscle, which is not something you want to do. Um, after completing the diet, the dieter is likely to experience the body starvation response. So you may be starving yourself too much, leading to rapid gain of only fat because you're sending a message to your body that it's starved. And when it does increase this way, it's going to think, oh, we need to put all this fat on because we might be in the same situation where we didn't have food. So this is a cycle that changes the body's fat to muscle ratio, one of the more important factors in health. A report by the American Psychological Association reviewed 31 diet studies and found that after two years of dieting, up to one third of dieters weighed more than they did before when they began the diet. Another third regained the weight they lost and the last third kept the lost weight off. So two thirds of people that diet are either going to go back to their initial weight or they're actually going to gain more, which is not what you want. You'd be better off if you were just stay where you were before. And one study in rats showed that those paid to yo-yo diet were more efficient at gaining weight. So however, the research compiled by Atkinson around 1994 showed that there are no adverse effects of weight cycling on body composition, resting metabolic rate, body fat distribution, or future successful weight loss. There's not enough evidence to show risk factors for cardiovascular disease. Um, however, there's no single definition. And I want to make the distinction between fasting and yo-yo dieting. Fasting is something that I think everyone should incorporate for health, and you're not going to have these negative side effects of yo-yo dieting. But I want to say this, too, because this is really popular right now. So the word keto, keto diet, doing keto diet, that's really popular, right, to say, oh, we're doing the keto diet. The problem is, one, people are not getting high-quality fats, so they're getting a lot of omega-6 fats, and they're not monitoring how high quality their fats are. So they're actually getting bad fats that are toxic to your mitochondria and causing brain, uh, a decline in brain health along with metabolic health. That's why you see a lot of people. So you will lose weight because you're not eating carbs, but you might feel worse. And when you go back to eating carbs again, so it's important to be metabolically flexible. So your body needs to be able to eat carbs, eat fat, eat protein. Protein's not going to do anything to you, but eat all these things and do it in a way that's sustainable. So that's why I think a lot of people, and you know, if you want to lose 20 pounds for a wedding or something like that, that's great. And you can do it. But if you want to be healthy, you have to build a sustainable diet that includes all the different macronutrient things. It's not going to be super limited to things other than whole foods that are good for you. So just wanted to talk about that a little bit with yo-yo dieting. Next thing, and I'm not going to go too deep on this, but I wanted to talk about this idea of telepathy. And I came across this in a book, a couple of books I've read by Dean Radin, who I think is the director of the Institute for Noetic Sciences and kind of built on what J.B. Ryan from Duke University talked about. So it's the idea that the human brains are connected and we can actually communicate non-verbally. Well, we do a lot of non-verbal communication, but actually have direct communication through telepathy. And I think it's one thing that in, our, in my lifetime, will it be scientifically proven? Probably not, but I think there's enough evidence there to kind of lead us in the direction to study this more and get a good research on it. So I just wanted to read this written by Rupert Sheldrake, who's obviously a pioneer in these sciences. So he says his research on telepathy and animals summarized in his book, Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home, and published in detail in a series of papers he has listed here, led me to see that telepathy is a normal thing that is part of our biology as humans that we have over time constructed to have. So it's actually 
something that's in built into our DNA. Um, the same principles of animal telepathy, obviously animals, quote unquote, telepathically communicate. They don't speak to each other, but they still communicate. Um, and the same principles apply to humans. And uh, he has investigated a bunch of stuff about this. So he believes that telepathy has evolved like other biological abilities subject to natural selection. Um, and he has a bunch of different papers, which I will include here below. Um, but pretty cool thing. And I think in terms of telepathy, are we going to have a scientific study today that proves, boom, humans are telepathic? No. But think about all the times if you've gone to call somebody or text somebody and then they text you or you pick up the phone and you they say, man, that's so weird. I was just going to call you. There is something going on there. And is it coincidence? You can think that if you want. I'm going to kind of go in more of the form of progressive science of understanding that these things are real phenomenon and are happening around us. So I think it's real. It's something that is involved probably in another ether of consciousness around us that we just really can't understand at this point. But I do highly recommend that you do some research on that and then come away with your own distinction. And maybe it's just as you get older as a human being, you get these experiences and it kind of changes your mind on things because you have direct firsthand experience. So Again, I'm not a scientist or anything like that, but I think it's really cool to see that science is moving in the frontier of being able to prove that. Last thing is going to be sleep deprivation. So I just wanted to talk about how dangerous sleep deprivation is, kind of the side effects of it, the consequences that it could cause to us as humans. And uh, what is sleep deprivation? I think, I think if you look at the average of how much sleep people get is like six and a half hours a night and that's being sleep deprived. So you compound that over a long period of time. You're not going to be as healthy as you are. You're not going to be emotionally as healthy, healthy, physically as healthy, uh, spiritually as healthy, all these different things. So sleep is the most important thing you can do for your health. So chronic sleep deprivation may be primary or secondary, meaning that it could be a problem in and of itself or caused by some other related issues. So I just want to talk about the symptoms um, to see, and I think I want to talk about this because I think a lot of people are chronically sleep deprived and they don't even realize it because they're so reliant on stimulants to help them get through the day. But um, what are some things that maybe a symptom that you can recognize and then look into deeper to see if you are sleeping to the fullest? So dark under eye circles, drifting out of your lane while driving, obviously that would be bad. Head nodding, inability to keep your eyes open, irritability, lacking energy for daily tasks. Um, sleep, sleepiness during daytime hours, trouble concentrating, waking up, not feeling refreshed and yawning. Think about how many times do you wake up in the morning? I know because I've been sleep deprived in my life at many points that the only thing you want to do in the morning when you wake up is go back to sleep. If that's the case, you are probably, not probably, but most definitely not sleeping enough. And the reason I bring this up is I, can't, I think this is a chronic problem. So much of what is wrong with our health could be traced back to this and we could do better. And there's Again, I'm not going to get into every sleep protocol that I have or I know that's out there that could be helpful, but just take that in consideration. Are you giving a laser-like focus to your sleep? Because that's one of the biggest boosters that you're going to be doing for your health, and I think you should really take it seriously. So many people just get up and they're on coffee and then they're on coffee or whatever stimulant throughout the day to keep them awake, and then they go to sleep and they sleep for five or six hours and they're up and at it again, doing the same thing. And I think that causes very long-term damage over time. So that is it for today. 
everybody, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. I really appreciate if you listen to the whole thing through. If there are any questions that you want me to do in my next Q&A episode, definitely drop those in the comments or come into the Facebook group and you might get an answer. Who, who knows? Check it out. So I will talk to you guys again soon and have a very blessed, peaceful, harmonious day or evening, wherever you are. See you.